Welcome to the Hope Community Church Podcast. We're so grateful that you're here with us today. We pray that these messages encourage you, inspire you, and give you hope. Whether you are in your car, at your house, or your job, we hope you enjoy these messages. When I, uh, when I look at this scripture, I, I, I think there are a couple peculiar things. First of all, John's writing the scripture. I don't know why he... Um, he recorded that him and Peter were running to the tomb only to then record that he outran Peter. Maybe he wanted to be known as the skinnier, more fit disciple. Peter probably uh, being married. Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, so I'm assuming he had a wife. You know, was probably that, you know, dad bod type guy that was, didn't run a lot and probably was like, hey, wait a second, I'm on my way. John records that. And then, and then he records... Um, then he records like everybody asking Mary Magdalene why she's crying. <laughs> I just thought this woman's getting ready to trip out. One more person asks her, Hey, why are you weeping? She's going to lose it. <laughs> Mary Magdalene was uh, a unique person in the Bible. Uh, we, we know that Jesus healed her of seven demons. I don't know about you, but one demon is enough. If you, uh, if you encounter the living God and you're delivered from seven demons, that's, uh, that's remarkable. You can imagine before her encounter with Jesus being demon-possessed, what type of mood swings she may have, what type of anxiety, what type of personality disorder, what type of... What type of Watch out for her. She can get crazy. You can imagine her reputation probably wasn't one of a stable individual that that everybody could count on. It was that of a demon-possessed woman. She runs, she, she meets Jesus, and Jesus delivers her. We just sang about it. Delivers her. Not a little bit. Not like delivers her enough to function. I mean delivers her. Now it's not Mary Magdalene who has seven demons. It's Mary Magdalene who is, who's a follower of Christ, who's dependable, who's loyal, who's there every step of the way. Matter of fact, we find out that Mary Magdalene at, at, at times was more dependable than the disciples themselves, than the male disciples. We find out that she sticks through them. She sticks through all the way to the end. And a lot of the, the disciples run off in the garden. And she's there at the, witnessing the trial, witnessing the, the, all the stuff that happens from the arrest all the way up to the crucifixion. She's at the cross with the mother of Jesus. Devotion. A woman who had once been possessed by seven demons gets delivered and dedicates her whole life to Jesus. She was, a, she was part of a group of women who we believe was, would, would follow Jesus around and support him. You never hear Jesus talking to the disciples a whole lot about, hey, where are we going to get something to eat? Where are we going to sleep? What are we going to do? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? It's kind of unsaid that these women were following around, taking care of, of their logistical needs. Jesus was doing ministry, and there was, a, there was these group of women that were taking care of things that you don't get celebrated for, like lunch. So we talked about this a little bit last week. The disciples 
everybody wakes up that first morning, the morning of Jesus' resurrection. Um, but we wake, they wake up at different times. The Bible says that Mary and some other women, John just told us that at least Mary, but we know from other gospels that some other women were with her. They go out to the tomb before daybreak, before, in, the, in the dark. In the dark. They go out to the tomb in the dark to, to do some burial things with the body of Jesus. And they're having a conversation when they go out there of how are we going to get the stone rolled away? They arrive at the tomb and they realize instantly that the stone is not there. It's been rolled away. Now, now, can you just lean in for me for a second? I know somebody here might be able to relate to this, but could you, could you imagine a woman with Mary Magdalene's past being possessed by seven demons? Come on, you don't forget that. Anybody ever forgotten what they were delivered from? No, typically we don't. Could you imagine a woman who had been delivered from seven demons, watched the man who had delivered her from seven demons be killed, be crucified, killed, buried, and now she's rolling up in the dark to a tomb where the stone had already been rolled away. Anybody want to take a venture to say a little bit of your past might creep up on you at that moment? A little bit of that anxiety, a little bit of that, oh. She's standing at the tomb realizing now that there's no one in it. Now, she doesn't get 2,000 years of benefit of, of knowing for 2,000 years and having sermon after sermon after sermon preached that Jesus is resurrected. She doesn't get that benefit. So she's instantly thinking that somebody stole his body. So she's contemplating all the things that could have happened, that might have happened, that how did this happen? And, and, and she's not really attaching scripture to it. She's kind of like us. Come on, how many of us in the heat of the moment go, John says, we don't, I mean, I'm proud of you if you do, but a lot of times that doesn't happen. So, so she's standing at the tomb trying to figure it all out. She runs back to the disciples. She grabs Peter and John. They have a sprint race back to the tomb. Peter loses. John hits the face of the tomb and he stops dead right there, not going in. We don't know if he's contemplating what kind of, what kind of uncleanliness he's going to experience because you're not supposed to be touching a dead body if you're a good Jew. So we're not sure if he's stopped because he was like, I don't want to get in there and then defile myself and then have to figure that out for the next week. I don't want to, I don't want, uh, so we just know he stops. Peter who, who has a history of being impetuous and, and, and I'm going to lead the pack. Just, I could picture John standing there and Peter just by, by him. He's in the tomb now. Both of them looking around. What the heck just happened? What, what happened? His grave cloths are laying here. There's, a, there's his head cloth folded up. Like somebody did it on purpose. All we get in John is that they left and went home. Now, now I think there's a, I think there's a big difference between men and women. Just wanted to clarify that. And um, and here here in this instance is a perfect example of it. Now I have I have kids 
And uh, I could tell you this from experience. I am not, now if you're my personality type, you can relate to me. If you're not, you can have pity for me. But I'm not sentimental. I have very little emotion except anger. I have, um, am I getting this close? Yeah, I'm pretty close. So like when, when, some, when one of my kids got hurt, I'd be like, hey, you okay? And I, and I taught my son and he would go, I'm fine. I'm like, yes, you are walking away. It's more like a mother. Come on, somebody. To wrap your arms around and stick around for a little bit, isn't it? A man, I can't fix it. Why would I stay in it? Am I right? So you got Peter and John at the tomb. He ain't here. We're going home. Mary, not so fast. The Bible says she stays at the tomb. For the next few minutes, I want to take you through why that's so important in our lives. She stays at the tomb. You know, you know, memory is the foundation for all mourning. You realize that, don't you? People don't mourn or grieve things they don't remember. Memory, when you have a memory of something, you have the ability to grieve it. You have the ability to mourn. And, and, we, and we actually grieve and mourn in two different things. We grieve and mourn like things that have happened and people that we miss and things in the past, our yesterdays. But then there's also a part that we grieve hope. We grieve in the future because we grieve for things that could have happened. And so you may be sitting here today grieving one or the other, grieving both. Lord, these were hopes and dreams that I had, and they're not going to happen now. By the way, I've told that God that a lot, and he chuckles when I say, well, it's all over. It's not going to happen. But then there's this concrete grief of things that didn't happen and people that are gone. It's as real as it, it, it happened. So Mary is experiencing all of these things at the same time. She's experiencing, uh, this man delivered me from seven demons. This man changed my life. The whole trajectory of my life was different because I ran into Jesus, because, because he cast them out of me, and now I'm, I'm made whole. I'm, I'm a different person. I'm not the same. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not like I was before. I'm totally different. And and not only that, I chose to follow him around and support everything he was doing. And I was looking at the future as far as I could see. And it just had great things in it. We talked last week. Could you imagine following Jesus around? Nothing is impossible. Hey, that guy's dead. Not for long. Not for long. Hey, this happened. Not who? We got a guy with leprosy. Not for long. How do you know? I brought him with me. Wouldn't your outlook be different if Jesus walked into every difficult circumstance with you? Ah, he sort of does. Wouldn't it be different though? Physically standing beside him, watching him raise Lazarus from the dead. Man, that would give you some kind of confidence about your future, wouldn't it? Oh, you try to kill me? Okay. We'll see. We'll see. 
Get him, Jesus. <laughs> All that's gone. She's remembering the man who had delivered her from seven demons, and she's mourning the hope of her future all at the same time. Memory causes, gives us the ability to mourn. And she is standing by the tomb now weeping. She's got no strength left to do anything else. She's just going to stand there and weep for a while. Her memories are flooding back. She she can't control them. She, you know how it works. They just keep coming and coming and coming. We have memories of what was and what could be. The dream, the death of dreams sometimes can be as painful as the death of realities. The disciples, as we talked about last week, are an unfamiliar circumstance. They were in once close proximity to Jesus who had unlimited power and authority. But now, now they seemingly have been left on their own to figure the whole thing out. And in the whole group, there was no confidence whatsoever. We know that Peter and John would go back to the house, and we know for a week at least, over a week, they would lock the doors of the house for fear of the Jews. No confidence. At one point in time, Peter's proclaiming, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And the next moment, there's no confidence whatsoever. His body, he was dead, and now his body is not in the tomb. How can they even now relate to his death with a missing body? There's nothing, to, there's nothing to even mourn. His body's not there. And so she's standing by the tomb, weeping. You know, you know, the most important thing you could ever believe is whatever you believe when you're the most confused. I, I say it, I say it again. The most important time to know what you believe is to know what you believe when you're confused. Everybody get that? Listen, when everything's going well and you're like, man, I believe this. That's not, that's easy. Man, my bank account's full of money. My kids are listening. My wife likes me. Everything's kind of going my way. Jesus is resurrected. Woo! Like, and if some, one of your friends is like, I'm going through some hard times. Man, Jesus resurrected. You get, you're like super confident. You can give people encouragement. Jesus resurrected. How do you know? <laughs> My life is swell, bro. I don't know what you did. But it's in those moments when we're, when we're not confident about the things around us that make it so important that we're confident about the one over us. So we talked about last week that God doesn't change. So in the midst of our increasingly ever more rapid changing of our life, and at this time, Mary's life, there had to be some things, we gotta be confident about some things. Paul tries to help us out with this later on. His first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter four, verse 13. He says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Now, you've probably heard that at funerals. I, I, I read that ver verse at funerals. Paul is trying to help us. Say, listen, I know everything's changing, but in the middle of your confusion about things changing, you have to realize that there's one who doesn't change. 
because now I can grieve, remember, the memory, I can grieve the memory, I can grieve the person, but I don't have to do it as if God has changed. I can grieve the person knowing that God hasn't changed. So what has happened, what has happened and what may, may be happening doesn't change what will happen. So, so what has happened in the past does not ever change the hope of what will happen in the future. Come on. So Paul is helping us up in the, like Paul is helping. I, I, there's part of me wish Paul had written this before Jesus crucified, which would have been hard to give the Mary standing at the tomb to say, hey, listen, you, I know you're weeping, but you're not weeping because all is lost. You're weeping because someone is lost, but the hope hasn't gone away. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I, it does hurt, but it hurts different. My God, I feel so bad for people that have no hope. Paul says there's a difference. That Jesus that rose from the dead guaranteed us that he would not change at all. And so if he promised it to us, it's 100% sure. So now whatever confusion I'm walking through right now, I can still be steadfast in the idea that the hope is still there. Amen. So whatever you believe in the middle of confusion is the most important thing that you could possibly believe. It could be the thing that brings you out. Lord, I don't know why this happened. This doesn't make any sense to me, but you have not changed. And my hope is the same. I know my future is secure. Whatever is going around me right now, I know my future is secure because you haven't changed. I know this is devastating, but my future hasn't changed. And so Mary is trying to, like in the moment, figure all this out. She didn't have all the commentaries we have. She didn't have all the Bible studies. She didn't have right now media where you could go in there and watch a video or somebody encourage you. All she had was a dead Jesus and a missing body. She's standing by the tomb doing what every normal human being would do. Weep. Trying to figure it out. What happened? What happened? Paul says, you don't have to grieve like everyone else. You know what I wish? I wish, um, wouldn't it be neat? Wouldn't it be neat if, um, Everybody that walked in the door, I was thinking about we could, we could give them like a coupon code to get out of grief or, or trouble or something like that. Watch, watch this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get everybody in this. Okay, so, so when you walk in the door, all your troubles, all your despairs, all your misery, all your grief, all your thing. So we give you a card, like a coupon card. Anybody have that? I got a little app on my computer called Honey. Anybody have that? Not many? You should get it. Wait, 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 wait. Give me your email and I'll see if I could sign you up because then I'll probably get something for it. <laughs> so what Honey does is I buy a lot of car parts and different stuff like that. When I get on the car part website, I go to check out and the thing automatically goes, let us test these coupon codes for you. And I'm like, have at it, bro. So 25% off and I'm fist bumping, to, I'm pumping my fist in the kitchen. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like I did something. Wouldn't it be great if you walked in the church and you got a coupon code for grief and misery and all the confusion? You just got one when you walked in the door. We could even, for those of you that like the essential oil thing, we could sprinkle a little stuff on it so it make it smell. 
And then you could take credit. Yeah. Well, it really was the oil. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you walk in, we give you the card and then it's just like, Oh, life makes sense now. I'm not even upset about anything. I've got this great hope. This is so awesome. And it would just be great. Wouldn't it? This little, this little pattern. We could just give it to everybody. You know how we could grow the church like that? Show up to Hope Community Church. All your problems just go away. As soon as they hand you the card that smells like... Ugh. <laughs> Trouble is I can't offer you a coupon code or a free pass to clear it up. There isn't one. Trust me, as a pastor, I wish everybody that walked in front of me, I could just give them the formula. Give them the ticket out of the current circumstance. Give them the, and if I could say the right words, if there really was an oil that would fix it all. But what we can offer is a constant in the face of all the confusion your past can bring. This constant that God has not changed. God has never changed. It's the only source from which you can even begin to make sense of it all. Your hope has less to do with what has happened or what could happen, but that God who never changes will provide a God-predictable response. So, he, so here's the deal. The God who never changes responds to your circumstance the same every time, over and over and over. No matter what you're walking through, God that never changes responds the exact same way every time. You know what he responds with? Grace. There's enough grace to get you through. Mercy. Love, forgive, all these things. Hey, how's he going to respond to you messing up this week? He's going to forgive you. He's going to have enough grace for you. So he, here's what I know. When I wake up in the morning, he says his mercies are new every, every morning. I start again with new mercies. Oh, God, you're, you're, you're for me. You're with me every morning. Even though my life is in chaos, you haven't changed. Your mercies are new every morning. And then when I lay my head down on my pillow, I know there's enough grace to forgive me for screwing up the whole day. Anybody else lay your head down like that? I need your grace today, Lord. I blew it. And I'm confused and I'm hurt and I'm angry. I'm all these, I'm all these things I don't understand. But your grace is enough for me. That's the hope we have. That no matter what happens before we wake up, after we wake up, throughout the middle of the day, that the God who never changes is offering the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. So the hope is not that everything will go well or that I will do everything well. But the hope is when I get to the place where all that stuff is actually happening, God still has enough mercy and still has enough grace. So Paul then says, listen, you don't have to walk through all these things like everybody else does. Man, you can have hope in the middle of it. Hope in the middle of it. Hope in the middle of it. Mary is going to teach us something here. And she doesn't even realize she's doing it. I told you Peter and John leave. Mary stays at the tomb. I um, tell you a little story. I had a conversation this week. I, I've had several conversations with pastors, and, and um, 2020 was not an easy year. I'm going to just give in to that. It wasn't easy. 
and um, everybody had to make changes. Some people lost loved ones. It, it, was, it was difficult. But I tend to have an outlook on life that if Jesus raised from the dead, if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me, then I am by default an overcomer. Amen? Come on, some of you need to convince yourself of that. Just go ahead and t- tweet it to yourself. Like, by default. So what was happening this past year, especially towards the end of, end of 2020 and the beginning of 2021, I would be in groups of pastors, and, and they'll be like, oh, man, ooh. They would start out the meeting like, oh, this is so tough. It was so hard being a pastor during this time. And I'd be sitting in the back of the room looking around like, what? Can I just be honest with you? So, I don't know, it happened sometime in March for about six weeks. We did online church, just online church. Our first anniversary in this building was right before Easter. We did online church. We didn't have a, we didn't have a celebration. And uh, our, our second Easter service in this church, so our first Easter service in this church, we had almost 900 people in the building. Yeah, that was crazy. I was like, what? The second Easter service in the building, all virtual. But we reached more people. So I'm looking at all these pastors, and they're like, oh, it was so tough. Oh, so, man, it was. It, man, they, they'll do it like this. If you had a hard time this year, raise your hand. Well, we, we want to pray. Like, pastors, we got to get together. I'm like. Well, everybody in the room had something hard this year. Like, did Jesus raise from the dead or didn't he? And I started thinking, you know what? We went online. I, I sort of like got a vacation. Yeah, yeah. Because now, now people show up, all three services. And I got to preach three times on Sunday morning. Do you know how much easier it was to show up here at like 8.30, 9 o'clock? preach at 945, and I didn't even have to wonder about anybody giving me a dirty look in this place. I didn't have to be like, oh, well, that joke didn't go over because they're just like, well, whatever, trying to be funny again. Um, I didn't have to worry about first or third service just sitting there like, well, we're going to wait till this gets good before we say amen. Um, I didn't have to worry about any of that. I could preach one service to nobody, and most of the people who were here were probably getting compensated. So... They had to say amen. So it was like, I could preach, just imagine everybody saying amen, get done in an hour, go home, and go back to sleep. I'm like, when's round two of this stuff going to happen, man? So, so I'm sitting here, and everybody's like, oh, man, that's so tough, so hard. But here's, so my mentality goes straight to, we reached more people on Easter 2020 that we did in 2019 online. We have more people following online now. We have more people. We planted a Berkeley Springs campus. Berkeley Springs, come on. You're hearing story after story after story about how the gospel never stopped going forward. God never stopped moving. You just heard one this morning that a prison that would have never otherwise heard the gospel the way Mark Mason is going to present it. Now here's the gospel because of COVID-19. And people that just sit around and go, oh, boy, it was tough. I'm sorry, man, but I don't grieve in the hoe. I'm not even, I'm not even going into that meeting. 
trying to get me to grieve with no hope. He's trying to, we're going to get together and grieve with no hope. That's what we're doing. Because it was a hard year. We're going to sit around and talk about it like we got no hope. And I was looking at this scripture and I realized that Mary, Mary had caught on to a little secret. She didn't even know she was doing it, by the way. Just a grieving woman. Bible says that she didn't leave the empty tomb. She stayed beside it weeping. Can imagine her leaning up against it a little bit. Tears running down her face. She doesn't know where to go home, stay. She doesn't know what, she, I'm just gonna stay here. Can I tell you that when all hell breaks loose in your life, the best place for you to be is at the empty tomb. Don't be quick to run home. Don't be quick to get like, well, we just got to figure, figure it out. We got to come up with a plan. I'm finding out the longer I live, the more I stand beside an empty tomb. It's a constant reminder that the God who is going to deliver me had enough power to raise himself from the dead. So whatever I'm getting ready to face or am facing pales in comparison to that. And Mary does this little thing where with tears running down her face, it says she bends over and peeks in. <laughs> Every time you get to that place in your life, you don't think you can go anymore, just bend over and peek in the tomb again. He ain't there. He's risen. Every time you think you want to doubt the power of God in your life, with tears running down your face, just peek in. Yep, he's still gone. He's still risen. Matter of fact, when you peek in every now and then, an angel might confirm it for you. She peeks in. I remember John and Peter gone. She peeks in. What are you weeping for? Are you kidding me? He's not here. Sometimes I need reminded of that over and over and over and over again. He's not, he's not dead. He's resurrected. That power, that power that raised him from the dead is available to me in every circumstance, every grief, every hard time, every confusing time. I'm just the one that needs to bend down every now and then, look back in the tomb and confirm it. He's not there. He's risen. Make it a habit to look in and remind yourself. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look in. Every time you remind yourself that Jesus has resurrected, you don't have to grieve the same way because he's resurrected. You don't have to suffer the same way because he's resurrected. You don't have to fail the same way because he's resurrected. It's a reminder every day he's not there. If the church could plant themselves beside the tomb in the day of trouble. He's not there. We're okay. He's not there. We're okay. He's not there. We're overcomers. He's not there. We're going to make it. He's not there. All hope is not lost. He's not there. I still have a future. He's not there. I still have dreams that can be accomplished. He's not there. I can still be healed. He's not there. He can still restore the relationship. He's not there. He can still do the impossible. Amen. Amen. He's not there. 
Paul says, listen, when it happens, remind yourself he's not there. You have hope. The band's going to come up. I'm going to leave you this one last thing. She, um, it says when she stands back up that Jesus is standing behind her. Let me, let me say this. Mary figures it out quicker than anybody else because she didn't leave the tomb. Mary actually figures out quicker than anybody else because she doesn't leave the tomb. She stays there. She looks in. The angels say, he's not here. When she pops up out of the tomb from looking in it, the Bible says that Jesus is standing there. But she doesn't recognize him because he's, I don't know, he's got his gardener outfit on or something. She thinks he's the gardener. <laughs> That's so awesome. Jesus, the reincarnate, the, re, the, 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 the resurrected Christ is standing there. And she's like, what'd you do with him? <laughs> he's like, Mary, it's me. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, it's you. He had kind of concealed himself. Mary doesn't leave the tomb, figures it out quicker than anybody else. Because in that moment, when she comes back out of looking in the tomb, Jesus is standing there. And he asks her the same question, why are you weeping? I can picture a woman going, if I have to explain this one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. Why are you weeping? I want everybody to take this question deep into your hearts today. When Jesus himself asked Mary, why you're weeping, why are you weeping? She doesn't, she doesn't go into a long history of woe is me's. She doesn't say, you have no idea what I've lost. You have no idea what's happened. You have no idea what's going on. You just can't understand how much I've been through. I'm so confused now. You know, the one that, that cast the demons out of me died. I watched him and I supported him and they, they still killed him. And now they, they crucified him. They put him in this tomb. I showed up this morning. All my hope is gone. All my dreams are gone. It's over. I don't understand what's going on. She didn't say that. She didn't make a list. She didn't go on a long litany of how bad her life had gotten. She didn't do that. She did none of that. She said, show me where he is. She didn't even know she was teaching us at that moment. She thought she was just going to collect the dead body of Jesus and put him back in the tomb and put spices back. Mary was inadvertently teaching us something in that moment that could forever change our lives. Every time you get in that circumstance where you're confused and upset, you have no idea what's going on, the best thing you could ask is just show me where he is. If I can touch him, all my past will make sense and all my future will make sense. If I can touch him, if I could just get to him, if you could just show me where he is, Everything would clear itself up. Everything would clear itself up. And so you know what I have a habit of doing? I have a habit of going, oh God, man. You know, like if you'd have been back there, if you'd have done this, if you'd have done that, if you'd have done this, like I had it all worked out just fine and you kind of came in and messed it all up. I don't understand why you did it. I don't understand this, I don't understand that. You know what I can learn from Mary? Just put all that aside for a second and go, hey, just show me where he is. If I can get into his presence, 
then the impossible starts to make sense. If I get into his presence, then all my mess ups start to make sense in light of his grace. If I get into his presence, everything I'd given up on starts to, starts to come back. Amen? Come on, stand to your feet. I don't know that I can convince you anymore, but some of you are walking through things right now that you, you're like Peter and John. Well, can't do anything about it, we're leaving. We're getting out of here. But I need to encourage you this morning, don't leave an empty tomb. You stand there until you're convinced that the same Jesus that raised from the dead, that power is in you. And when you get tempted to make a whole list about how things are going your way, just look up to heaven and say, hey, I just, just show me where he is. I just, I just need him. I don't need anything else, I just need him. And when the thing clicked and she looked at him and realized, Jesus, she just grabbed a hold of him. Matter of fact, I don't even think Jesus was ready for it because like, whoa, 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 don't touch me yet. Don't touch me yet. She was like, nope, nope. If, if, if you're here, I'm grabbing a hold of you. I'm not gonna let go. He is here to prove to you this morning that he is more than capable, more than able, and especially more than willing to reach into your life and change things. The same Jesus that raised from the dead has not changed an ounce in 2,000 years. And all we need to do is remember, he's not there, he has risen, and I can be in his presence today. Amen? Amen? Come on, why don't you sing that out? His love, his love has done all that needs to be done today. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for your time today. We hope you have grown closer to Jesus Christ through this message. If you found it helpful, share the message. Share it with your friends and your family. And with your help, we can take the gospel far and wide.